beautiful people, this is Gary Horn, and this is, this is Pro Wrestling, the podcast celebrating, you know, how it goes, the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest sport known to man, professional wrestling. And this is the fast count. I'm sorry these are coming out a little bit later than normal, but you know how it goes, man. This particular show is made for people just like me and you with busy schedules, so sometimes the Raw review doesn't come up right away, and I wish it could, but maybe one day... Maybe one day, when I've got nothing else to do, it will. That out of the way, welcome back to The Fast Count, where we run down Raw as fast as possible, just for you. You don't have time to watch it. It's three hours. It's a lot. Just keep in mind that I'm recapping the Hulu version of the show, since it's about one and a half hours shorter. And typically, you get an even better idea of what the WWE is focusing in on, what matters for you. Also, you can stay in the loop. Basically, I take that, I bullet it down even more for you so that you can keep up with what's going on in wrestling. Okay, enough time wasting. Let's do this. So the show starts off showing images of Orton setting the Fiend on fire. If you missed that, then check out our TLC review. It's an interesting choice, mainly because it's obviously a dummy burning in the middle of the ring, but they're hanging with it. So no matter where you landed on this polarizing thing, they're leaning into it. They just basically let us know, we're going to hear more on this later. Instead, we move to the entranceway and welcome back Charlotte Flair. The raw set looks really good, by the way. Lots of Christmas trees and stuff. I love it. I love the feel. I just, uh, it gets me all in the spirit. So Charlotte comes out alone at first. She's talking about how the Thunderdome has had to have a queen in it. She's been out a bit, but when a friend needs a favor, especially if there's something in it for her, she's happy to oblige. So she calls out Asuka. Asuka rants about being a double champ, and it sounds like they're both feeling good. Charlotte does stop her at one point here and start to hint at so since I came back and helped you, essentially she's looking at the Raw Women's title and she's implying that she should get a shot. But they're interrupted by Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. You know the drill, they're upset about the loss. Surprisingly, they even make fun of Charlotte's quote unquote robotic voice. Interesting they mentioned that. I feel like WWE's tried to make things feel more shoot by throwing stuff like that in there every so often as their legit criticisms, but I'm not sure it's a great idea pointing it out even for the casual fan who may not otherwise be aware of it or have noticed. Anyway, they're interrupted by Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke who point out Shayna and Nia are no longer champs and they want a challenge so Charlotte says they should fight each other and surprise, surprise, they're going to do that. Asuka and Charlotte move to commentary and a match begins. Couple of notes, I'll say this with love. Charlotte is a great wrestler. She presents like a star and she 100% also has a robotic voice and it's still not gone. Her whole promo here sounded a little robotic. This is why I point out that it seems kind of silly that WWE would be allowing anybody to focus in on it. Being aware of it clearly is not helping, so why point it out? Wouldn't you want to emphasize the positives, detract from the negatives, but here we are. Also, and I'll point this out every time, what the hell was the opening match supposed to be if this hadn't happened? I mean, I just wish the company would start with some simple logical stuff first. But anyway, so the match happens, and again, I'll say this as nicely as I can, it's not that great. I love Dana and Mandy's look and that they're making a legit effort at being an actual straight up tag team. Respect there. Something just didn't click in the match though and there were a lot of missed spots, times that people seem confused, whatever anyway. So to the finish, what you need to know is Shayna locks up Dana in the Carafuta clutch 
and gets the tap out win. Of course, you can't have anything but 50-50 booking lately, so Nia and Shayna turn their attention to Charlotte and Asuka, and then Dana and Mandy recover and toss Nia and Shayna out of the ring. Uh, and then they start taunting Asuka and Charlotte. So even though they lost, the picture is no more clear about who actually is going to eventually end up challenging. Sounds like three-way stuff or something might happen. Okay, so the Hurt Business is out. They celebrate that Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin are the new tag team champs. Shelton starts speaking, but he's quickly interrupted by Cedric. So for some reason, these guys are consistently looking better and better, but they're already teasing dissension. It's just a little worrisome for me because I'm feeling like, oh, Shelton and, and and Cedric, you got them up to this point, right? And they're looking good, and they're the tag team champs, and this is awesome, and you're already teasing that they're going to break up. It just feels like not quite the right time for that. Let's just hope this is long-term storytelling, though. Anyway, Lashley says there's not a man alive that can take his U.S. title. Cedric and Shelton are dominant, and they, along with MVP, they're all out there to celebrate, so they're going to get a photo together. They go in, and they group up together to take a photo, and R-Truth appears out of nowhere behind them and photo bombs the whole photo, and it's, it's a funny little moment. Then all of a sudden, all the 24-7 wrestlers run out, chasing down our truth they run around the ring and yada 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 anyway after that jeff hardy and matt riddle appear they've got mics they're calling themselves the hardy bros which is clever i do like that that's funny but anyway matt riddle spouts off some stuff about existentialism and jeff chimes in too and they say they'll beat lashley and mvp tonight i mean about the main thing that mattered in this moment is like mvp at one point says you don't sound like you know what you're talking about so we definitely don't and that's accurate mvp I can only speculate, but it sounds like Riddle was trying to remember all of the lines he was given, and but, you know, whatever. Who am I to say? Miz and Morrison are in. It's Miz TV. They need to issue an apology. They call out AJ. The segment is what it is. They apologize and try to explain why the money in the bank got cashed in. Omus is mad at Morrison because he says he's the one who's cashed it in for Miz. Morrison talks crap about Omus, and AJ gets in his face about how Morrison hit Omus with the chair at TLC. Miz actually jumps in and points out that you guys gotta break it up. Omus is right though. Technically, Morrison cashed in, not me, so I should get my briefcase back. Dear God, please do not give Miz that briefcase back. Anyway, here comes Drew McIntyre, Seamus, and Keith Lee, and they're reading a Christmas poem. Yes, this is the second week in a row that Christmas poems have been used during the middle of the show. Uh, it's basically a goof-off, and then they chase AJ and Miz and Morrison out of the ring. Let's move on. MVP and Lashley are taking on Jeff Hardy and Riddle. If you haven't seen Riddle's entrance where he jumps into the ring and he kicks his flops off while the pyro explodes, it's cool until the WWE does the WWE thing where they keep playing it over and over again in slow motion until you're sick of it. Anyway, really good match. Lashley takes out Hardy with the Hurt Lock. Riddle continues to be booked pretty strong in this feud, so my expectation is that there's still going to eventually be a Lashley versus Riddle US title feud. All right, now we get a recap of Orton and Fiend, and Orton burning the Fiend alive. The commentators talk about this being awful, but I just don't get it. Did he attempt to murder a man or not? Was it not a problem? Immolate is the word of the day. It's like to sacrifice, right? Anyway, they're talking about Orton like he did something bad, but here we are. Anyway, the fact that they just refuse to mention Bray as another wrestler and instead some other thing, it just feels sort of dumb. I can't help it. At least with Undertaker, you could say the dead man was just his reputation in a lot of ways. Uh, and there were there was stuff with him that I didn't totally buy into either. The thought was like outside the boundaries of whatever. But I mean, they're straight up acting like Orton set this dude on fire. 
and it was a dude. Orton gets the mic. He says uh, he's been called demented, twisted, etc. But last night he took it to another step when he burned the fiend alive. Those are his words. But he says, the fiend is no man. And Orton says he himself is not normal. He closes his eyes and he says he can still see it and smell it. The burning flesh. But he couldn't sleep last night. The voices in his head that are normally a lullaby were gone and all he could hear were the sounds of the fiend gasping for his last breath as he burnt. Good lord. Really, he sounds like a psychopath. We're just supposed to ex accept this. By the way, if your kids are watching, make sure they know. Don't be setting each other on fire in the backyard. So Orton's bragging about taking him out, and then the lights start going out. Orton starts looking around, and Alexa appears on a swing in the middle of the ring. And she's like, are you expecting someone else? He built this. This is Alexa's playground. So we got it yet another show. So we got Miss TV and, you know, Alexa's playground, I guess. So on the VIP lounge with MVP. So she's talking about, like, where is the fiend? Is he at a tanning salon? He looked pale. A beach? Hope he doesn't get sunburned. A restaurant? He loves barbecue. See, these are all puns or jokes based on the fact that he got set on fire, right? So she mentions he absorbed into the mat and he went home. But if he ever decides to come back and leave home, it'll be like nothing you've ever seen before. And the lights go out and it's dark and we go to commercial. I don't have any extra notes for this. That's what happened. There you go. Charlotte Nasca versus Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans is what's next. Peyton and Lacey get into some mic time in the back. Clearly, they're not on the same page already. They're arguing about who booked the match or who got them to book the match. Anyway, it's a decently solid match, right? Shayna and I are watching from the back, by the way, sideways, as they always do. Like, nobody else watches TV but WWE superstars do. Charlotte gets Royce in the figure eight and gets the win. That's how it ends. So then next up, McIntyre's pumping up Sheamus and Keith Lee in the back. They've been teasing tension or distrust. Like, Keith Lee doesn't trust Sheamus. Uh, I'm still wondering if we get some kind of a swerve with that, but we'll see. Anyway, so it's a holiday street fight. Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee, Sheamus for versus John Morrison, Miz, and AJ Styles. As Drew walks to the ring here, I did enjoy that he does mention how he could also, like he could use his sword that he uses on his entrance. And given the current state of things, he might as well, right? But it's a holiday street fight, so it's no rules. But, you know, I guess uh, Drew being the uh, kind of man he is, he's not going to stab anybody. Lots of presents and trees stuff set up around the ring and it's nice it's got a Christmassy feel and they have fight and it's just like a hardcore match honestly it's it's pretty fun the match ends when so Sheamus is in the ring he's getting it ready to set up for the bro kick but Keith Lee tags himself in and he gets in the ring and they start wrestling around he hits a spirit bomb I believe it was on Miz and he gets the one two three meanwhile almost catches Morrison as he falls off the side of the ring and he ends up throwing Morrison through a table so that's leading somewhere so Keith Lee gets the win after he tagged himself in, and you can tell Sheamus is unhappy. Anyway, all three men are celebrating in the middle of the ring, and then Sheamus bro kicks Keith Lee in the face, which leads Drew to be very upset, and he's yelling at Sheamus, why? I vouch for you, and then you just bro kicked him in the face. That's my Scottish accent, and that's how the show ends, is Drew just being upset with Sheamus for kicking Keith Lee in the face after they all three just won the match. The only other stuff you're missing there is like some stuff with Elias, and there's also the story about Retribution trying to recruit Ricochet, if you're not familiar with that, basically just every week Ricochet's fighting one of the guys from Retribution, and they try to recruit him, and that's just kind of an underlying story, but pretty much that's everything you need to know about Monday Night Raw. If you have any questions, any comments, 
this. If you like the way I do this or hate the way I do this, let me know. I'd love to know. I am Matt. This is Gary Horn. And of course, the show is at TIPW Show. Thanks for listening. And uh, you guys have a good rest of your week. Enjoy your gravy cake. We'll be right back.